COVID-19 originated in animals sold in a so-called wet market in China. All Welcome to another episode of Conspiracy Conversations. I am having a blast every Saturday morning rolling out new content with you guys. I love the the, the, the comments. I love when we go to live events and I get to meet you uh, in person and you come up and you're like, I thought that was far out there and now I, I'm researching it. I don't know. And I, I, I'm trying to just just partner with you guys in this process of, of taking ownership of information and uh, not assuming maybe somebody that's feeding you information that they know everything that, that you need to know that you, you can do the heavy lifting and, and take ownership of, 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 uh, these different areas and question things you thought were true and maybe embrace some things you thought were not true. And it's kind of a, a fun process. I can't start the show without showing the old Rubik's cube. Again, it's easy to go through life thinking Rubik's cubes are just green and that's all you ever knew. But then somebody like today's guest will come along and just blow your mind because they'll rotate it a little bit. And you're like, Oh my gosh, they're also red. I had no idea that whole other side was there and kind of begin you on a rabbit hole of, of maybe there's, there's, there's a lot more going on than you realize. Um, I, I would use up the entire episode if I read every accolade of uh, today's guest. Um, he's the founder of the Institute for Responsible Technology. He's a best-selling author. Um, documentary filmmaker. We'll get into some of that. He won movie of the year uh, award. Um, he's won person of the year award from health magazine. He's done over a thousand interviews in 45 different countries. He's trained over 1500 speakers to be talking about uh, this kind of content. He's organized, organized over 10,000 grassroots activists, probably many more by now. He's been featured in everything from time magazine, the New York times, Washington post, a lot of TV shows, including uh, Dr. Oz and, uh, reached the pinnacle of his career today with Flavor Conservatives. Join us on the Conspiracy Conversation, Mr. Jeffrey Smith. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for, for joining us here today. I'm so excited to, to get into your brain and just start pulling stuff out and uh, blowing people away. Uh, the reason this is in the conspiracy side is because it feels like Somebody, I don't know who we can talk about the they, you know, however you want, but it's a little bit irrelevant. It feels like, like, like even our own food is killing us. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to share information that is jaw dropping. When people look at this, um, they think they know what GMOs are. They think they know what Roundup is. And when they realize what it's doing mm. to our bodies and the diseases that it may be creating. I've had people at the back of the room texting their kids saying, don't let our grandkids eat any, eat any GMOs, you know, it, before they leave the room. So I want to share uh, very quickly some slides just to be, get, put this into context. Because like I say, people think, oh yeah, I try and avoid the GMOs. What I'm gonna share right now may be the key for people to get better from something that's been hanging on for years. Or they may realize that their relatives or their friends have been suffering from the results of eating this food with these secret ingredients without them having any idea it's related to their cancer or their heart disease or their Parkinson's or their autism or their ADHD. Wow. But I'm doing some plot spoiling now. Let's, <laughs> see a, let's take a look at the slide here. So this is a picture of the amount of inflammatory bowel disease 
rising in the United States, and that yellow line is the amount of glyphosate sprayed on soy and corn. Now, the reason it's sprayed on soy and corn is because Monsanto that sold Roundup, the chief poison was glyphosate. Glyphosate was going off patent in 2000, so they created Roundup-ready crops to be sprayed by Roundup and wouldn't die. So all of the other plant biodiversity in the field dies, but not the GMO, soy, corn, in this case, cotton, canola, sugar beets, alfalfa. And it turns out that just after it was introduced in 1996, as the amount of glyphosate increased, inflammatory bowel went up. Now, this this is correlation. It doesn't prove causation, but we have other lines of converging evidence like animal feeding studies, modes of action, doctor's reports, Mm. self-reports that demonstrate that this is very, very likely, almost certainly causing the increased rate of inflammatory bowel disease. And I'm going to fly through about 38 different diseases, David, in about a minute and a half. And people can just look at the chart and see the slope of the lines And it'll either be just glyphosate with, in this case, inflammatory bowel disease, or in the case of the next one, we have deaths from obesity. Here we have three lines. Here, this red line is the pre-1993 trend. What would it have been had there been no additional environmental uh, impact? Now we have the white line as glyphosate and the black line as the percentage of GM corn and soy in the United States. So deaths from obesity skyrocketed. So now you have your role, look at these pictures and I'll name the disease as we fly through them. Anxiety, diabetes, deaths from Parkinson's, Mm. deaths from hypertension, autism in six years old, nearly a perfect correlation. Wow. In insomnia, celiac disease, acute kidney injury, deaths from kidney failure, kidney and pelvic cancer, liver cancer, liver and bile duct cancer, thyroid cancer, deaths from leukemia, breast cancer, deaths from intestinal infection. Deaths from lipoprotein metabolism disorders, peritonitis, hepatitis C, dementia, deaths from senile dementia, ADHD, schizophrenia, suicide by overdose, birth defects, heart defects in the newborn, newborn metabolic disorders, newborn genitourinary disorders, skin disorders. Newborns with lung conditions, newborn eye disorders, newborn blood disorders related to the immune system, anemia, lymph disorders, deaths due to stroke. These Now, these 28 different conditions, these are the conditions that were reported improved by 3,256 people that we surveyed. So everything before was epidemiological evidence. Here, we just put out a survey. 
Why did I ask about these 28 different conditions? Because at 150 lectures, including medical conferences, I asked the audience, what did you or your patients get better from when they switched to non-GMO and largely organic foods? A lot of these are the same thing. And when I asked, people said there was a, okay, I got better from inflammatory bowel or acid reflex. I said, okay, raise your hand if you got better from a digestive disorder. It was number one in every lecture. It's number one on the survey, 85%. The number two, I'd say, how many people got better, more energy and reduced brain fog? Here, fatigue is 60%. Brain fog is 52%. Obesity is 55%. Anxiety and depression is 50 2%. Food allergies and sensitivities, 50%. Memory, concentration, joint pain, seasonal allergies, gluten sensitivity, insomnia, etc. So this is the self-reports. But I also talked to pediatricians, and they saw these growing right after GMOs were introduced. Veterinarians saw it in pets and livestock. <laughs> and when they switched their kids or their animals to non-GMO organic, then the problems went away. Now, I put all this together in a, in a film with Amy Hart called Secret Ingredients, where we actually track some individuals who switched to organic, and the results were dramatic. In fact, the film turns out to be the most effective tool at convincing people to eat organic, because organic doesn't allow GMOs or Roundup. So this, I wanted to say, for, especially for the people either who are not convinced to eat organic or are so convinced they've become fanatics and everyone runs away from them when they start talking about food, don't do it yourself. You've already lost your credibility because you're just a friend. Let me do it. Show them the film Secret Ingredients. And as people said to me, you know, I couldn't get my husband to change his diet. And when he saw your film, now he's more fanatic than I am. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. And so, um, you know, a, a movie's worth worth millions and millions. Um, uh, if you want to see the slides that he was just showing, uh, we're going to make those available on a, at a Dropbox. If you just want to send us a text, you can text 40509 and just put the letters CC in there for conspiracy conversation. Just 40509, put the letters CC in the text. You'll get an auto reply with, with uh, all the graphics, links, everything referenced in uh, today's show. We'll make sure include books, recommendations, um, uh, websites, how you can follow uh, Jeffrey Smith's work. It'll all be in one big Dropbox going to you. Um, but let's let's go ahead and play the trailer for that film because that was the eye-opener that it caused me to reach out to you in the first place. It's just unbelievable that this is happening. And uh, also the solutions that, that are available as well. And we're going to dive into this in, in greater detail uh, with the originator of, of this content itself. But let's go ahead and play the trailer. So at the time that I was doing triathlons and living a healthy lifestyle, I met my husband. He also was very dedicated to healthy living. And we got married and started our family. So we had children and a brand new house, and we both had careers that we loved, and we were both active and physical. And that all came to a screeching halt in... August of 2007. 
I've seen a rapid decline in children's health in the past 10 to 15 years. We had 21 chronic diseases in one family. My youngest daughter started having some GI issues. We had to rent the nebulizer so often from the pediatrician that she suggested we buy our own, which we did. And my first boy, he had an allergy to milk and then to nuts. I have had um, three miscarriages. I was diagnosed with uh, stage two breast cancer. Things like cancer don't just happen. They happen for a reason. So many diseases and disorders in the United States have increased since the introduction of GMOs and Roundup in the food supply in the 1990s. Kids who can't control themselves, kids who can't transition, kids who can't focus, kids who can't sleep. A well-respected neurologist said that he would never speak and that he would never have peer relationships or social experiences, potentially not live on his own. So our son was diagnosed on the autism spectrum when he was three. I removed genetically modified food and had kids eat all organic food. No pesticides, no GMOs. And the changes I've seen are remarkable. When I removed GMOs, four months later, his allergies went from a 19 down to a 0.2. He no longer has life-threatening food allergies. So since we've gone non-GMO organic, our son no longer tests on the autism spectrum and our daughter no longer has asthma. Steven now is an articulate, lovely, straight-A student with many friends, active, plays sports. He participates in a mainstream classroom without any supports, no speech therapy, no articulation disorder, no physical therapy, no occupational therapy. He does all the things other children do with great ease and elegance and grace, and he is perfect. I am 22 weeks pregnant, and I feel fantastic. As more and more consumers choose non-GMO foods, GMOs are becoming a marketing liability for food companies. I am 100% confident that the removal of genetically modified foods, glyphosate, and pesticides was the fundamental, the foundation for why we all recovered. Wow. There's not a lot of people's work that uh, is directly connected to that kind of impact on the quality of lives of other humans. That's got to, I know you've probably seen this a, a million times, but it's got to be moving because those are real people. These aren't hired actors for some commercial. Those are real people. Yeah, I mean, I have been approached so many times, especially at conferences where people just, they start crying and saying, you saved my life or you saved my family's lives. And I've had doctors who've seen me speak, and there's tens of thousands now because of my talks that are prescribing non-GMO and organic diets. And they tell me, I remember the first time I was talking to Dr. Emily Lindner. We, I, I was at a conference, the American Academy of Environmental Medicine. They had invited me back for the fourth year. They were giving me a, an award. So I brought a video camera and started interviewing the docs. And she said, I put everyone in a non-GMO diet and they all get better. And I'm like, okay, what percentage? She says, I told you they all, all right, 98%. I said, how many people did you put on a non-GMO diet? She took about a minute to figure out and I saw her lips moving and all that. And she goes, about 5,000. So I said, can I come to your office and interview your patient? She says, sure. So there I found people getting better from the same list of diseases we just saw. Someone said their Crohn's disease 
symptoms disappeared in three days. Another person, irritable bowel in three weeks. Another one, irritable bowel in six weeks. There was all these different changes. Now, she and another doctor who was also part of our film, they were sometimes adding other things for the treatment. So you couldn't isolate the food. So I went to farmers who had taken their pigs and cows off of GMOs and weren't giving them organic. You didn't have gluten-free pigs and dairy-free cows. And they said when they switched, they got better from the same things the humans were. I remember talking to one dairy farmer. He said he switched to non-GMO soy and didn't tell his farmhand. His farmhand came up to him in, in two days and said, you changed the feed. He said, oh, what happened? Days. He said, no more diarrhea. They had death from diarrhea for the previous two years. It was, they could not control it. But when they switched to non-GMO, the diarrhea went away. Talked to another guy. He had 3,000 pigs in his nursery. And for 14, before 14 years ago, his brothers said, oh, he had the easiest job on the farm because he was handling the nursery. And then all of a sudden he had the hardest job because he was injecting them with with um, vaccines and constantly dealing with their health. They thought it was the new genetics, the new types of pigs brought in the area carrying disease coming from Canada. So it was they were blaming, blaming it on Canadian bacon. But when when a consultant said, switch to non-GMO, he did. And within two or three days, they were walking around. He's walking around with his brother and said, What's going on? They they look like they used to. They're not s- sickly and tired. When when his brother said, "Well, maybe it's the non-GMO," and they both laughed, thinking there's no way. But eleven days after he switched, he called back his consultant and he was just absolutely frantic, and said, "It's the GMOs. It wasn't the foreign genetics. It was the GMOs all wow. along." Another guy in uh, South Africa, he was told by his veterinarian to switch to non-GMO because his pigs and cows were sickly and whatnot, but his farm workers were eating the corn that he was growing for the pigs and cows. So they were eating genetically engineered corn, but not like we do in the United States. Corn is a staple in South Africa. So 50, 70% of their caloric intake was the corn that was genetically engineered. And he, his farm workers were so sickly, he had to hire 20% more, 60 instead of the 50 he needed, because there was always 10 out sick and headaches and inflammatory issues and flu-like symptoms. And he said once or twice a month, he'd be talking to a farm worker and the eyes stopped tracking together. They'd move in opposite directions. And he said he knew that that farm worker in one or two days would be dead. And he had no idea why. But when he switched to non-GMO corn for his pigs and cows, all of a sudden the farm workers got better. He ran out of the GM corn because he didn't buy enough for year-round consumption. They had to buy corn from the from the marketplace, and the humans and the animals got sick again. Now, these humans were eating more GMO corn than perhaps anyone. I remember talking to a former Monsanto scientist. He said when they fed corn to rats, the rats had serious health problems, so they rewrote the study to hide the effects. And he said, oh, my God. The amount of corn that these rats are eating is a fraction of what they eat in South Africa, where they eat it three times a day. His rats got sick in 90 days. What would happen to the work to the people in South Africa that were eating it their whole lives? Well, here was an example on this farm 
of this intense sickness and death rate. God, I, I, I want to go about 10 places all at, all at once. Um, l- let me ask this. If, why is it considered, you know, over time, I live in Kansas City, you know, Midwest, farming kind of people. And, and you get this mentally that um, I grew up on a farm. I would buy horses, even in grade school, which is in the 70s, but I, I would buy a horse from uh, an auction that was broken down, looked bad. Young horse, bring it home. We give it minerals. Put them on some alfalfa, alpha, and and it, its coat would change, its eyes would change, just because it was malnourished, you know, not not doing well. So we all made that connection. We didn't necessarily pay a lot of attention to what we ate, you know, a whole lot. It was biscuits and gravy, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, but but you knew instinctively, like if you wanted your your animals to be better, you 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 would give them higher quality nutrients, supplementation, you know, they get the vitamins and things that they needed, and they would respond dramatically. Um. Th- there's a there's a little bit of a vibe of like oh it's organic it's almost like sissy stuff you know it's like ah no, like what you can't handle the hard stuff it's almost like somebody that has like a you know can't handle whiskey versus you know having something else it's that kind of a of a, of a thing and I don't know if it's movies if it's ads if it's you know the idea of like maybe California and it's you know just odd but in reality it's not the odd thing it's the normal thing. If you came across a culture and all they drank was Coca-Cola and they weren't well, you'd be like, that's not water, right? Like, like water's the normal, Coca-Cola is the offshoot. But we've gotten to this mindset where the majority of what's consumed by people, you know, is harmful. And and we're and it's, having it, it's changing the world. It's by design, David. There's like there's been fraud and coordinated disinformation from the beginning, which we've tracked. I'll give you an example. You know, the FDA, the actual policy says, we know of no difference between GMOs and non-GMOs, therefore no testing and no labeling is necessary. And other countries say, well, the FDA says it's safe, so we'll allow it to be fed to our consumers. In reality, The policy at the FDA was created by Michael Taylor, Monsanto's former attorney, later Monsanto's vice president. The White House had told the FDA to promote GMOs quickly, and a new position was created for Monsanto's attorney to be in charge of policy. 17 scientists were asked to create an ad hoc committee to evaluate how to test for the safety of GMOs. The overwhelming consensus was that GMOs were different and dangerous and could lead to allergies, toxins, new diseases, and nutritional problems. They urged their superiors to require long-term study, including human toxicological studies. But every time they submitted their evidence to Michael Taylor, it was systematically removed from the policy. One scientist wrote, what's become of this policy? It has no science in it. It's basically, what can I do to stay out of trouble? It's basically pro-business and doesn't address consumer side effects. And that turned out to be the global policy on GMOs, don't ask, don't tell, written Mm -hmm. by Monsanto. And it says that Monsanto and other companies can introduce GMOs into the food supply without telling the FDA. And if they decide to, there is a voluntary consultation process a meaningless exercise at the end of which 
the FDA issues a letter saying this is to remind you that it's your responsibility to determine if your foods are generally recognized as safe. Wow. And we have no further questions. That's, it's baffling. We see it in a lot of areas. I recently went back and watched uh, um, uh, uh, what's the movie with the 2008 collapse? Um, uh, the, the financial, the big short, uh, the big short, the big, the big short. Yeah, yeah. The big short phenomenal movie. I should everybody go back and watch it again, just because there's so many odd things happening there. It's kind of, you know, what's other currencies and stuff now, but there's a scene in there where one of the characters is based on the, the true lives of like three characters. They kind of follow in this movie and recreate, but he's talking to a girl that used to date his brother or something. And he's trying to get her to help him out. And she says, I don't got a lot of time. She worked for the FTC as a regulator. But she was at this resort trying to schmooze up and meet this guy who was a big wig with Goldman Sachs. And she wanted to get that job because it pays 10 times as much. And he's like, how could you go to work for them? You're the one that's regulating them, you know, and you see that in all these industries, somebody who, you know, was an executive for Pfizer. And now they're with, you know, the agency here, like all these things back and forth with all of these agencies that are most Americans go to and from work. They come home. They're hoping their kid gets his homework done and they're kind of living their life. And you assume these regulatory agencies have your back. It's like, well, they're regular. Is it, you know, they'll ask you, is this FDA approved or is this? And it's, it, it, they all just seem to be the good old boys club. And, and f- the, the funding is so big in the private sector that a government regulator is like a fly on the windshield. They're like, they're like, get out of my face, you know? We'll be right back with Jeffrey in just a second. You know, we're talking a lot about personal responsibility in this episode and why you need to take personal responsibility for your your faith, for your health, for the most important areas in, in life, because they're wanting to keep you dumb, sick, and broke. Now, we can help you with the broke part. Uh, I've known a guy for over 25 years. His father was a mentor to my wife and I, and he's one of the most trustworthy individuals that I have ever met. His name is Dr. Kirk Elliott. We actually call him Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott because he has not one but two PhDs, but he specializes in central banks, inflation, what's happening with the global economy, and how you can basically jump off of the crazy train of a fake fiat currency and into a tangible product like silver that helps you fight inflation. Not just not just fight it, but actually beat it, how to prosper in this time. You can go to flyovergold.com, flyovergold.com. All that is is just it's a landing page to get you into a space to set up a consultation. You go there, put in uh, your, your phone number, your information. They'll reach out to you and have a consultation. It's completely free. There's no charge to you at all, but they educate you let you know, how do you do it? You hear about this a lot, but how do, how do you actually buy gold and silver? Can you do an IRA? Does it have to be cash? What's all involved? And uh, they make it pretty simple. Matter of fact, the majority of the clients end up doing it multiple times because they find out it's super easy. And uh, the, the, the process is almost kind of fun because you're realizing you can sleep at night and you're not worried about your money. So go to flyovergold.com, set up a consultation with Dr. Kirk and his team. You will be glad you did. They'll probably end up being some of your favorite people that you work with. Go to flyovergold.com today. And uh, let's jump back into this conversation with Jeffrey. I'll give you some stories about this, for example. So Michael Taylor was in charge of the GMO policy. He also approved Monsanto's bovine growth hormone. And there was a division that was run by the person who was reviewing the research. She used to work for Monsanto and did the research. So she was in charge of the department reviewing her own research for bovine growth hormone. The person in charge of the entire review was someone that had been hired by Monsanto 
to develop bovine growth hormone, right? And the only guy that had any herd experience, Richard Burroughs, he was fired because he was asking for more tests, slowing up the process. He sued and they had to admit that they wanted to get him out because he was slowing the process up. I talked to a former Monsanto scientist. He said three of his colleagues were studying the milk from cows treated with their bovine growth hormone. Okay. And after that, they didn't drink any milk unless it was organic. One bought his own cow. It said he had, they said he had so much IGF-1, cancer-promoting hormone, in the milk, they wouldn't touch it. And yet it was pushed through by the people at Monsanto that moved into the FDA to approve their own drug. Now, when during the big lawsuit against Monsanto, because uh, Roundup was associated with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, we learned that the person who was in charge of the committee to evaluate the carcinogenicity of glyphosate was Monsanto's laptop. He even told Monsanto, <laughs> I'll try and get another uh, part of the government not to do any research on GMOs, I mean, on, on glyphosate and cancer. And if I can stop it, I deserve a medal. And there was a letter written to him by a former colleague basically saying, we know that glyphosate is a probable human carcinogen and you're not qualified to do this. You've just been working on behalf of those companies that are trying to get their products registered. Please, for once, do the right thing. Mm. And he ignored her. He just looked at Monsanto's rigged research and came to his conclusion that way, ignoring what the World Health Organization Committee did when they declared it a probable human carcinogen. He cherry-picked the data and said, we don't see a relationship, working essentially for Monsanto. And we see that all over. We mm. see the people who are on Monsanto's board, you know, former EPA administrator, former U.S. trade representative going back and forth, this, this revolving door. But where it comes down to is this. We can feel like a victim, David, or we can feel like a victor. Okay. We can decide what we consider to be food and not let Monsanto and its enforcement wing in Washington tell us what food is. So yeah. rather than feeling the oppression, we're taught you know, to give our power away, certainly as kids to parents, but then to schools designed by the, like the Prussian system to make good soldiers, then sure. to the media and the government. And so what we need to do in terms of our food, especially when we have families to feed, is to become the ones that we rely on, that we evaluate mm. and we make the decisions. And it's a little bit daunting at first to figure it out. And we help you at responsibletechnology.org. How to uh, certainly eating organic is the easiest way, but we help people make that transition. If they can't eat organic, how do they avoid GMOs? How do they avoid the products that are sprayed with Roundup? Because it's not just the GMOs that are sprayed with Roundup. And then we can see the kind of changes in, we saw in the movie Secret Ingredients, among the 3,256 people that we surveyed, among the thousands that I hear about in my 27 years working on this, especially from the doctors. One doctor said he had 9,000 patients who were eating non-GMO, and it was unbelievable. Another patient said he had 50,000 during his lifetime eating organic or non-GMO, and they stood out from the crowd because the wow. rest of the world was eating this thing that suppresses health and even suppresses mental capacity, brain fog, et cetera, ADHD. And we, we understand now, and I, I didn't emphasize this before, we can draw lines connecting the dots. 
you saw insomnia. Insomnia was skyrocketing with the increased use of Roundup. Why could that be? We Some people take melatonin to go to sleep. Melatonin is the natural neurotransmitter that governs circadian rhythms, sleep and wake. That's created from serotonin. Serotonin is created mostly in the gut from L-tryptophan. L-tryptophan is produced by gut bacteria using a pathway called the shikimate pathway. The shikimate pathway is disabled by glyphosate. So if you have food that has glyphosate in them, oats that are not organic, wheat that's not organic, hummus because of the chickpeas, mung beans, lentils, it can wow. disable the, the shikimate pathway. We're not producing tryptophan or tyrosine. The dopamine and serotonin may be deficient. If serotonin is, is deficient, the melatonin is, de is deficient, you don't fall asleep. Among the 3,256 people that reported getting better when they switched to organic diets, one-third of them improved their insomnia. It works, but wow. we can connect the dots straight to many of these diseases. In some cases, it's a lot of dots to, to connect, a lot of things. We know that Roundup is an antibiotic. We know that the gut bacteria is important, so important that 80% of our chronic diseases are linked somehow to dysfunctional gut bacteria. Well, when we hmm. drink Roundup in our food, it messes up the gut bacteria, which are linked to all of those diseases I just talked about. It also can create leaky gut, which is linked to all those diseases which we talked about. It also makes minerals hard to absorb, linked to many of those diseases. It also damages the mitochondria, linked to many of those diseases. I can go on. So I have been working with scientists and doctors, and this is in the film, Secret Ingredients. I've been working with them to identify why those correlational charts that we saw before are actually causation. Why GMOs and Roundup cause these diseases and are one of the most serious health problems in the United States and around the world. I've seen a dramatic change in the world. Um, it, when my wife and I were in school, and again, it was a long time ago, but the number of kids that were on medication, like you didn't know of anyone, the number of, of kids that of autistic, you know, of, of different, different things was just almost non-existent. Now, when our children were going to school, it was dramatically, even between our kids, when, when friends would come over, the kids were on all kinds of medicine. They had all these notes, can't have this, you know, peanuts and, you know, lists of, of things. I remember commenting to my wife, I thought, man, another generation, and we're going to have to walk around in bubble wrap and have a oxygen mask on, you know, because of the frailty as are humans wearing out, you know, like what is happening, you know, around us, because just in that short window, things that hadn't been heard of for thousands of years, all of a sudden were just, you know, and I would say now today, if you were, if you're with a group of friends and you're speaking in a foyer at church afterwards, if there's five or six people, one of them probably has a, a child somewhere in the spectrum with autism. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's so common. It's so common. Let me speak to that. Um, a friend of mine, Stephanie Seneff is an expert. She works as a senior researcher at MIT. And she's an expert at pulling down big data and looking for relationships. And she studied autism, and she also has a degree in, in biology. And she saw what was happening in the body of autistic children and could explain why they had their behaviors and their symptoms. 
Okay. But she couldn't figure out which environmental insult had caused it. So she brought down all the big data of all the research on every chemical that she knew about, and nothing fit hand in glove. Until she went to a lecture by another friend of mine, Dr. Don Humer, Professor Emeritus from Purdue University. He's an expert at Roundup. He had done research on Roundup for Monsanto. And as he described the properties of glyphosate, she said, she told me, she sat on the edge of her chair and said, this is it. This is it. This is exactly what fits hand in glove, causing all those changes in autism. So she did an analysis of autism and glyphosate and found a very close correlation. But in the image that you're looking at, it's not just the current year glyphosate. She took the current year of glyphosate plus three previous years hmm. because that told a level of glyphosate load in the environment. And as that was added, the correlation became near perfect. This is a 0.9972 correlation, almost exact. A one is exact. And I've talked to people, so many people who took their kids off of glyphosate and GMOs and showed an improvement. Some got off the spectrum, like happened in our film, Secret Ingredients. I was talking to one woman. She said, she was able to cure. This was before uh, she knew about organic. I mean, before she knew about me. She said, Our, my son is 90% better uh, or 80% better from, from um, autism. And people said, how'd you do it? He says, well, took him off of dairy, took him off of gluten, and he's 80% organic. Then she told the next person, he's 80% better from autism. Why? Well, he's off of gluten and he's off of dairy and he's 80% organic. And she started realizing he was saying, she was saying 80% better, 80% organic. And it finally <laughs> dawned on her. It's like, oh my God, put him on 100% and close the gap. At the time, she said, maybe 98%. How old was better. the child at that point? Um, he was probably younger, like adolescent or younger. Okay. Um, and I've had, like, there was a 63 year old man that came up to me in a lecture and said, I have autism. And if it weren't for your knowledge, you've told me I wouldn't be able to come here because I changed wow. my diet and I'm able to come to a talk like this. It, it's, it's pretty amazing. Now, it doesn't mean that every kid's going to be able to be off the spectrum when you switch the child. Uh, it depends on a lot of things. And the pediatrician in the film will tell you that. But in some cases, just the dietary change can make that. Now, she treats the whole family. So she had an autistic son or an autistic boy, and she took the whole family and said, you can't get him special food. Everyone has to switch to organic. The daughter's ADHD went away. Wow. The father's kidney problems reversed, and the mother lost weight, and she wasn't treating them. So these are the kind of stories I hear. It's just, uh, it's unbelievable. Um, it, it shocked me. We were part of a ministry school that we went to for three years just to, uh, man, it was Mike early, like 2012, 13, something like that. And there were, there were people at the school from 70 different nations wow. all, all over the place. It was interesting having conversations with people from Switzerland and New Zealand and, you know, all over at the things that are available to us here that are illegal in their countries. You know, <laughs> they're like, I, I can't believe that I like can starburst and different candies. And, and they'd say, you know, it's against the law in our countries to run television commercials for pharmaceutical companies. You come here and that's mostly what you have. You have, you know, beer insurance and, and drugs, you know, is pretty much what is advertised on American TV. 
and they were they were baffled by that. Now, for me, that was you know that's just what you see here. I don't know what's in a Starburst in Switzerland or wherever else, or you know, candies and things. But uh, have, have you seen that? You speak to to crowds all around the world. Are are these numbers the same everywhere, or is this is this kind of a uh, the, the the sign of American greatness? You know, uh, in a way. Well, they do have glyphosate consumption in Europe, so they're not a great control, but. We do see differences in the health. Um, we do see differences that might be explained in part by Roundup and GMOs. Um, but what's interesting is some people in the United States, when they go to Europe, they can eat things they can't eat here. They can eat mm. the wheat because it's it's there's many reasons why their wheat's a little different than ours. And I got to say, while I mentioned wheat, uh, 11 years ago, I postulated, I think for the first time of anyone, that the gluten sensitivity explosion was likely due to GMOs and Roundup. And I explained why. And there was a white paper. And then there was, since then, there has been peer-reviewed published studies by others. And we've seen tremendous evidence that, yes, the gluten sensitivity is exacerbated by the use of GMOs and Roundup. And there's some other things in Europe and other countries where they do things differently than they do here. I think that the fact that there's such a capture of regulatory agencies here. But Monsanto has done a good job around the world capturing other regulatory agencies. I remember talking to the minorities of those that, committees that approve or reject GMOs, and the minorities were the ones that I could talk to because they were independent scientists, and they were pulling their hair out saying, the majority doesn't even read the dossier. They just rubber stamp approval on everything. I remember speaking to one of the top biologists in the world, Dr. Bhargava from India. He said 25 of his former students and colleagues had Nobel Prizes. He was asked by the Supreme Court to evaluate the approval process by the Genetic Engineering Approval Committee in India. Spent 10 months there and then wrote a letter to the Supreme Court, the Prime Minister and the Minister of Health, basically saying the approval process was a sham. He said 30 different areas should be tested but only about 10% were tested, but they were done by the industry themselves in ways that were completely irresponsible so that no GMO anywhere was properly tested. And of mm. course, the biotech industry tried to attack him and completely groundless. So when you talk to actual scientists who are independent, who do not have to worry about their career, because a lot of scientists That's the tough speak thing right out there. of Oh, I'm telling, like, I opened my book, Seeds of Deception, which is 20 years old this year. First chapter, it's about Dr. Arpad Pustai. He was the world's leading scientist in his field. He won the grant among 28 competing scientists to figure out how to safety test GMOs. And he got three million bucks from the UK government, had people working for him in three different institutes. And he discovered that the process of genetic engineering, the generic process, was dangerous to the effect that in 10 days, his rats had potentially precancerous cell growth in their digestive tract, smaller brains, livers, and testicles, partial atrophy of the liver, damaged immune system. And he was invited to speak on television and with permission from his director in two and a half minutes. He said, I wouldn't eat it. We shouldn't use our fellow citizens as guinea pigs. And he was a hero at his prestigious institute because there was a lot of publicity right after that. But two phone calls from the UK prime minister's office forwarded through the receptionist to the director ended up 
ending his career. He was gagged with uh, threats of a lawsuit. They stopped his research. They disbanded the team. And they put out false information claiming that he had found something that he didn't and didn't find what he had found. And he was unable to speak seven months and one heart attack later. By an order of parliament, he was asked to present his evidence. Then he got his data back. It was published in The Lancet. At the time, it was the most in-depth animal feeding study ever conducted. And it showed that it was the process of genetic engineering that caused these problems with rats. And moreover, the kind of studies that were used to get GMOs approved would never have found any of those problems because they were so superficial and poor. Is that the story you referenced? I think it's with, uh, is it Dr. David, is his name Perlmutter, uh, the, the, the grain brain? Uh, um, guy, did you reference no, that? Uh, there's a, a podcast you did maybe seven years ago, oh, uh, okay, interview with an interview with him. Um, and you, I think you, you went through that story and, um, I, I and I'm pretty sure that's the same, same doctor, I guess, revisit that now. Where, what's the status of the regulatory process there? And fo- I guess a follow-up, you know, kind of, where are they now? What's the status of that situation? Well, it's not good, David. Um, the reason is this. The FDA still says no testing is necessary. The USDA got even less responsible than the minor facade that they had before. The EPA has a handful of tests only for those plants that produce their own insecticide. So we have very little uh, safety oversight in the United States, mm. and many countries have less. Now, what's happened more recently, there's a new way of creating GMOs. In the old way, in order to put a gene into corn or soy, you would shoot a gun with millions of particles of tungsten or gold coated by gene constructs into a plate of cells, hoping that some of the DNA would make it into some of those cells, or you would smuggle it in through bacterium. Now, that didn't know you didn't know where in the genome the gene was put and there was massive collateral damage and you could have increased allergies or toxins so roundup ready corn for example has higher levels of putrescine and cadaverine which are the substances that are responsible for the foul odor of rotting dead bodies they're linked to cancer and allergies the a genetically engineered corn that produces bt toxin also has a switched on gene that produces an allergen all the collateral damage So along comes gene editing. Now in CRISPR, in a type of gene editing, you put in a molecular scissors, you put in a guide, and the guide's like a guy with a a clipboard saying, cut here, and then the the molecular scissors cuts there. And then when it cuts, the the cell freaks out, sends the SWAT team, and reconnects it. Now in the meantime, you may have knocked out a gene, or you may have put in a kind of template, so when it's rebuilt, it rebuilds according to your instructions. And this is a new way to create GMOs. And sometimes you can add foreign genes and sometimes you don't. So the biotech okay. industry went with this massive fraud, big campaign to all these governments and said, it's not even a GMO because you don't have foreign genes inserted. In fact, it's natural because it comes from a natural technique. It's precise. It's safe. And these governments went, sounds good. Sometimes it was their own regulators, you know, the swapping back and forth. We'll put you in regulation, you approve gene editing, then come back and we'll give you a bonus. So it turns out 
They've deregulated gene editing in the United States, in Canada, in the UK, in Japan, in India, in Australia, in Brazil, in Argentina, and they're trying to force the EU to do the same. Now, what that means is in the United States, there's a company called Conscious Foods, and they're creating mustard greens and other salads, which they're putting in through catering organizations and restaurants, so they don't have any labeling requirements, that are gene edited with no safety studies and no government oversight whatsoever. In Canada, they just passed the same thing. We can be importing all sorts of vegetables from Canada, which we do, which could be gene edited in ways that no one knows about and it could cause massive damage to humans. Now, conscious this means, foods. This is exactly what a okay. terrible name, terrible name. So well, it's um, actually a pretty great name. You know, that's one thing I, I find a lot of times with kind of nefarious organizations or nefarious funding, you know, of something, it could be called like the research Institute for the, the promotion of, of healthy kittens or something. And come to find out they're doing like <laughs> lab studies on kittens, like covered them in fleas or something. How long could they live? It's like, it's like usually the exactly. opposite. I'm like, how'd they come exactly. up with the name? They're great at branding. The clean air act. You know? Yeah. It's just some goofy <laughs> thing. It's like, Oh, it's actually the opposite. We will jump right back into our conversation with Jeffrey, but I wanted to tell you about an incredible service that we found, you know, today there, they say a lot about, you know, don't buy Bud Light, don't Target, don't Starbucks, don't, you know, there's a lot of don't buy uh, things going on. But what what do you spend money with? Well, most of you watching this right now, you're probably watching it on a phone or you have a phone or every month you have on an auto pay uh, your, your phone bill. We found an incredible service called Patriot Mobile. We recently all switched over as a family. It was easy. It was as simple as a phone call. And uh, they pay up to $500 per line to buy out the current contract you're in. No cell phone company has rights to the towers. They use the exact same uh, towers and services you're using now, except for you're you're with a different company that supports causes that you're probably fond of. I even got a little sticker that says, I identify as a patriot. If you, if you identify as a patriot too, you'll probably like Patriot Mobile. Instead of tens of millions of dollars going towards Planned Parenthood and a lot of organizations that you're probably not in favor of, they help support the NRA, pro-life causes, Turning Point USA. You can go to their website and look at all of them, but the point is your money can go on an automatic basis towards something that's good for a change. So you can go to patriotmobile.com or call 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT, or go to patriotmobile.com forward slash flyover. Just tell them you watch the Flyover Show and uh, they will treat you great. Everybody you talk to is right here in the United States and they make it super simple and they'll even buy out your current contract. Let's jump back into our conversation with Jeffrey Smith. So what this means, David, is that our food supply now is at greater risk than it's been since the beginning of my work 27 years ago. But it goes beyond that. There, the issue is that gene editing is quite dangerous. Mm. It's, it, all, all genetic engineering is prone to side effects. So on our site at Responsible Technology, we have a six-minute animated film called Seven Reasons Why Gene Editing is Dangerous and Unpredictable. Okay. And we show it can cut in the wrong place. DNA from other organisms can be put there. Epigenetic effects can influence 10 generations. You don't have to take our word for it. The journal Nature described the outcome of CRISPR as chromosomal mayhem. So now they're letting this chromosomal mayhem technique to be used on our food which can create allergens or toxins 
that we wouldn't know about and no one knows about because there's no required testing. But when we go beyond our food, it's a greater danger because now we have no regulations that's, that are meaningful. And to buy a CRISPR basic lab costs less than $2,000. What? And when you, re- when you release a GMO in the environment, you cannot recall it. Now, put this all together. Prone to side effects, unrecallable, inexpensive, unregulated. The recipe for disaster. That means we have a gene rush where companies are saying, let's solve this problem and this problem and this problem and create genetically engineered mosquitoes and other insects, genetically engineered poplar trees and other trees, genetically engineered bent grass and other grasses, genetically engineered salmon and other fish. Let's genetically engineer environments for agriculture. Let's do whatever we can to get the money out of the patents while the patents exist before they expire and put these products into the environment. A wise indigenous uh, person in the early 90s told a friend of mine that in the next century, humanity might end up in a situation where we could end biological evolution as we know it. This is the threat I believe he was talking about. In this generation, Mm. we could create so many genetically engineered organisms and release them uncontrollably, unrecallably. What does an invasive species do? They introduced 24 rabbits into Australia in 1859 so that visitors would feel more comfortable. By the 1920s, there was over 10 billion because rabbits multiply like rabbits, right? (laughs) So, So we have a situation where we're not introducing foreign species from another continent. We're replacing species that have never before existed, you know, with combinations, genetic combinations and qualities that we can't predict. Mm. So we need to, now that humanity can redirect the streams of evolution for all time by accident, we need to actually make important decisions. And our Institute for Responsible Technology, we've decided to tackle it by going and focusing on the most dangerous, most dangerous species that you can genetically engineer. Now, I can ask you what you think that is, but I can also give the answer. Do you want to guess? Just give it to me. Microbes, microorganisms. You see, microorganisms are so fundamental to life. Algae produces most of the Earth's oxygen. Mycorrhizal fungi networks shuttle nutrients between trees to keep forests healthy. Soil microbes support the growth of crops and regular plants and draw down carbon from the atmosphere. The human microbiome is so fundamental to who we are. It can determine whether we are fat or thin, healthy or not, or sick. 80% of human diseases can find their basis in dysfunctional microbiomes. We've outsourced up to 90% of our metabolic and chemical functions to the microbes living inside us. We can get away with a measly 23,000 genes less than earthworms because we use the 3.5 million genes in the microbes inside us. Okay. When there's a proper healthy functioning microbiome in an infant, it sets that infant up for life. Consider the mechanism, the incredible mechanism to make that happen in the second trimester. Milk digesting bacteria come into the birth canal. They inoculate the baby during the birthing process. The first milk from the breast 
eats up the oxygen, turning it into an anaerobic, healthy environment for bifidobacteria. A right. significant portion of the breast milk is indigestible by the baby. It's not for the baby. It's for the microbes. Some microbes come off of the milk. Some microbes come from the breast. If the baby is sick, the salivary microbes in the baby feed back through the breast and the formula for the milk changes to fix the baby. Fascinating. There's this micro Jedi army working at all times. And that's just what we know in a thin way, because we've only characterized 1% maybe of the trillion microbes. And yet, when you release a genetically engineered microbe, it can travel, mutate, and swap genes with other microbes. That means right now, CRISPR is used in the classrooms. And the number one organisms they met genetically engineered in the classrooms are microorganisms. So you can consider millions of different types of microorganisms released just from high schools within the next 10, day, 10 years. And that can flood the biosphere and that could change the nature of nature in ways that we can't predict. Ending up in our gut, ending up in the soil, ending up in the ocean, collapsing ec ecosystems, causing massive unrecallable problems. And I'll give you an example from a film we did called Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. It's on our website at responsibletechnology.org. Let's, let's show people about, how to get that real quick because uh, you referenced that to make sure people can get it and we'll make sure that the links are easy to find. Uh, don't let the genie out of the bottle. It's there not genie, it's gene, gene. Oh, gene, sorry. I just, it's okay. That's okay because we, we said it so that everyone would get it. Yeah, <laughs> clever. Don't let the gene out of the bottle, okay? Now, in that, there's a some well-meaning scientists that wanted to solve a problem on the farm. After harvest, farmers would burn their crops. And that's not good for anyone. So they genetically engineered bacteria to turn that crop residue into alcohol. You put it into big barrels with the microbes. Two weeks later, you open the spigot and you have alcohol to run your tractor to sell off the farm. And you have nutrient-rich sludge on the bottom to okay. spread as, as, as fertilizer. Now, they genetically engineered a common bacterium called Klebsiella planticula, which is found on the root of every terrestrial plant on the planet. Now, they, were, they passed all the EPA studies. They were ready to release it outdoors to see how far it would travel. Two weeks before the release date, a graduate student that got permission to test this in order to get his PhD walked into his lab, and you'll see this in the film, and he was freaked out. He called his, his advisor, Dr. Elaine Ingham, who we interviewed, thinking he had made a terrible mistake because so many of his plants were dead, turned to slime. So she had them separated, and it turns out those that had been in regular natural soil, no problem. Those that had been in soil with natural Klebsiella planticula, no problem. Only the genetically engineered bacterium had caused the problem. It had turned the roots and the plants into alcohol, which means if they had spread the nutrient-rich sludge as fertilizer, it could have rendered their fields sterile. Now, bacteria travel. Microbes travel. We did not need a pandemic to know that. In fact, the EPA, according to uh, some whistleblowers in the, in the film, said they discovered that genetically engineered bacteria travel everywhere on the planet eventually. So I asked Dr. Elaine Ingham, what would have happened if the genetically engineered bacteria were released and if it had become the dominant species and if it had displaced 
its natural counterpart. She said it could have ended terrestrial plant life on the planet. <laughs> I mean, goodness sakes. You know, it, it, and here's the thing. Um, we spend a lot of energy on on the with with the with the media combined with government agencies working in conjunction. I mean, we you know, there's if you're people probably watching this show, they're familiar with you know Project Mockingbird, you know, uh, you know CIA connection to Hollywood films, you know, the, the ability to cover. There's still people walking around that that probably think that uh, COVID was started in a the wet market, you know, where that came from. Like they can run cover for these things and allow these much bigger atrocities to take place than the things that they distract us with on a daily basis. These, these are huge issues. And it, it sounds to me like we got like monkeys, you know, uh, playing in a nuclear missile lab or something, you know, uh, just messing with things we have no right to be fiddling with. Cause there's no idea where this would lead. You know, David, one of the things that works to our advantage is how easy it is to convey what I just said. I mean, we took a long time to say it, but you just have to think just that 16 minute film is such a wake up call. And I recommend that people not only watch it, but share it. It's easy to convey the stupidity, the, the, the incredible, incredible threats to life on Earth from genetically engineering microorganisms. So we want to lock them down. We want to create national laws and international treaties. So first of all, I'm going to ask people to help. Go to our site, Responsible Technology. Please make a recurring donation of any amount, even $5. We're running out of money. We don't even have enough money to end the year. Let, let, let's show need... this on the site. Make sure people can find it. When you go to responsibletechnology.org, top right, uh, producer Colton showed right there, there's a donate tab. Now, you, we looked at this. You can donate a lot of different ways. It could be $5. You could do in Bitcoin. You can do a lot of different options. You could probably send them some ducks and chickens, you know, and barter, <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, uh, uh, but these are actually people that are fighting on your behalf. And we complain about a lot of the things happening in the world of, of uh, I'm not going to get into the list of doctors and stuff that have made themselves super famous and worked for multiple presidential administrations and are not necessarily representing you. Um, these guys are, uh, they're, they're actually the, 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 the real soldiers between you and this genetic Armageddon out there. Thank you for that support, David. And I'll tell you, you know, I've been doing this for 27 years. I started the Institute for Responsible Technology 20 years ago when I released my book, Seeds of Deception. And we've been running on very little money, but our material is sticky. You know, the Seeds of Deception became the world's best-selling book, translated in all these languages. I traveled six to nine months a year for 13 years straight in 45 countries, starting different um, national and local organizations we had 117 groups in the Tipping Point Network in North America with over 10,000 people. And you didn't need a lot of money for that. But here, we need a lot of money. But fortunately, like I said, it's easy to convey. And here's some other things working on our, on our behalf. The pandemic, oddly enough, strangely enough, works on our behalf because it has sensitized the entire population that microbes can travel, mutate, and wreak havoc. Also, the hmm. demand to ban gain of function is a good start, but it doesn't take into consideration what we know about biology. 
And that is, it's not just the potentially pandemic pathogens that need to be stopped in terms of their enhancement. Any common everyday microbe can be a catastrophe, a cataclysm, as we just described. Also, we have the knowledge of the microbiome now in the hands of so many practitioners. There's been over 50,000 studies in the last five years linking the microbiome to health. All these functional medicine, environmental medicine, GI docs, they know about that. And we're appealing to them. We have a program for them to support us and receive patient education material and training. We have the regenerative agriculture movement that rely on the microbes to do the heavy lifting. They can't survive without healthy soil microbiome. The climate change activists are talking about drawing down carbon into the soil. And that's done by the microbes. Environmentalists, rainforests, they need a healthy microbiome. The ocean preservationists, they need a healthy microbiome. Even the spiritual and religious people that think GMO means God move over, they're on our side. (laughs) Yeah. This is something that should be nonpartisan. I don't know if anything could be nonpartisan uh, today. Uh, You know, if you like coffee, it's probably a political agenda attached to it. But this really is an issue that affects all of us. If you have children, you have grandchildren, if you hope for them to continue, like um, just the shift we've seen. And and not just I mean, my lifetime, in my children's lifetime, um, the, the kind of ailments that that we deal with, the n- amount of sickness, the amount of diseases, the, the lower standard of living for a lot of people. And again, we're in the most prosperous nation in the world by most metrics. I, and I, I referenced this when we were off camera before we were talking, but I said, I don't know the exact number, but it's close to that we're like 6% of the world's population, we consume 80 some percent of the pharmaceutical drugs. Like this, this way of thinking of a pill for an ill and that we can just fix everything and it's not a problem. I got this, just give me a shot and we'll get over it. Like all of this kind of way of thinking is a diversion from personal responsibility. And this is an era where you'd better take personal responsibility for your faith. You know, who knows who's telling you what you better take personal responsibility for your finances. You know, who knows what's happening with the dollar. We got the BRICS nations, you know, those things are shifting. You better take personal responsibility for your health. Um, If you go in to see a doctor and they don't ask how much you're sleeping and how much water you're consuming and what your diet's like. And if they don't ask any questions about that and give you a prescription, um, you don't have a doctor, you have a drug dealer. Um, You know, we have to, again, it's not any of their fault. It's our fault. And we've got to take personal responsibility for that. That's what I love about what you're doing is you're educating and equipping. And again, it's it's sad to think, but I don't think a lot of the people that we've entrusted with our best interests are, are operating in good faith. And you know, David, when we think about how do we turn this around, I'm going to give some hopeful news. It's certainly why I'm optimistic. If you look at history, there's been opportunities where humanity seems to just get certain things. They just seem to expand in certain ways and jump. Uh, I don't think consciousness is local and linear. I think there's a shared way that we are as a human civilization. And it appears to me that systems work in a way where a small number of critical mass aligned in a certain way can cause a phase transition. Certain number of Iron filings line up, and then the whole thing becomes a magnet. A small percentage of the of the pacemaker cells in the heart beat together, and then that organizes the whole heart. Hmm. 
I think that right now, this particular issue demands a different relationship with nature. You see, we've never had a situation where an individual, a high school student, a home hobbyist can accidentally influence negatively all living beings and all future generations <laughs> until now. I mean, right? that sounds like you a know. movie plot. No, it's, it's, it's way beyond movie plots. It's like, oh, I can't believe that, but it's true. So when we think about the fact that we have a technology where an individual can accidentally cause cataclysmic influences for all future generations, mm. there's a kind of, we need to protect nature. There's a sense of protection, right? And it's not like the government needs to do it later because they're the ones or the It's like each individual, we're now responsible. So there's a way that this particular issue, I think, will generate a, a kind of a shift in our awareness that we realize we need to safeguard the integrity, the genetic integrity of nature and not replace it. We need to protect the microbiome, protect all living mm -hmm. beings, and it's our responsibility now that we have the capacity to forever damage it. And when there's enough people with that thinking, I think it'll become obvious to everyone. Right now, it's like not in the public awareness. But we've seen this especially speeded up through social media and, and media before that, where something is out of, the, out of the picture, and then all of a sudden it becomes obvious. And we yeah. just shift it up as a civilization. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Now, what does that mean? It means that everyone listening can be part of that. Now, you've heard everyone's listening has heard about it once. So you're more than an hour into the conversation and you've gotten some aspect. But is that going to be enough? I'm guessing a little more is needed to go to responsibletechnology.org, sign up for our newsletter and get regular updates. Yeah. Watch the 16-minute film, Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. Watch the six-minute animation, um, which is seven reasons why gene editing is dangerous and unpredictable for yourself and your family watch go to secretingredientsfilm.com and watch that it's a full-length documentary and change your diet and when you really understand and live it and realize i need to be part of the generation this generation to protect nature to protect nature right now because this is the moment in time where human civilization has reached that inevitable capacity to do this abominable harm, we need to come together as a civilization and make new decisions. And the decision is to protect. So when we do that individually and we take that in, in our own life and own that, which is not feeling like a victim, it's yep. not feeling just generally angry or sad or fearful. It's actually feeling like a victor. Like I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna be part of this. That's the energy of transformation. So I'm inviting your listeners, because you have incredibly alert listeners that are interested in change. And this is a way, you know, it's easy to make change for your own diet. But here we need to make change for the entire civilization so that no high school student or Bear Monsanto company ruins it for us all. We need new national laws, new international treaties. We need a new global movement with a movement of movements, all saying the same thing. And it starts with how do we digest the information individually and become a beacon for that? 
I love it. Well, a lot of people sit back and they think somebody should do something. Well, somebody is. Jeffrey Smith is. His organization is responsibletechnology.org. But it takes partnerships. Uh, you know, just we learn anything from nature. One little wildebeest wandering around by itself can get chomped up. Together, it's in, it's, it's, it's a tough uh, force to try to reckon with. So together, share this episode. Send it directly as a text message to someone. Hit the share button. Whatever platform you're you're taking this in on, if it's Apple, Spotify, if you're on BitChute, Rumble, you know, uh, wherever you're at, take this episode. Send it directly to someone. Again, second step, go to the website. Register for the newsletter. Let this information be something that is going to be circulating uh, around your planet there a little bit that you're going to be able to find it in the future. Share these ideas with others. Um, every slide that we've shown today, as well as links to the website, if you're if you're mowing your grass or hiking the Appalachian Trail today or whatever it is you're doing and you're just listening maybe, you can send a text, 40509, just text the letters CC. You're going to get a text. It'll have a, a Dropbox with all the slides, presentations. You can have them. They're yours. You can look at them, show them to other people. And then number two, the links to the films will be in that link. You can watch that as well and a link to the website. They, that was a lot of things to keep track of. How do I do it? Just send us a text, 40509, the letters CC. A lot of these conversations, guys, we're looking at stuff that may or may not have happened 5,000 years ago and where the the King Tut came from and you know these kind of things. And those are great to look at and talk about it. And we all walk away and learn from it. But this is a critical moment for our life. Conspiracy, maybe the people in charge are actually out to kill you. Maybe they want you to be dumb, sick, and broke. You know, those things are working against, but we can fight back, but only together. Share this information, share this contact. And then again, if you feel led at all, if you're moved by this, if you're freaked out or inspired by this information today, either response, I would encourage you, go to responsibletechnology.org, go to the donate section, and even $5, not even for the benefit of that organization, because the benefit is for you because you're partnering with something that you believe in and you're backing it up. You're saying, Hey, for me and my house, we want to be a part of making a difference. And it's sort of the way that they send bullets to the front line, or maybe if you're irritated, it's a way of giving the finger to these regulatory agencies that aren't doing their job, but whatever motivates you partner with what you do want more of in the world, somebody is stepping up and doing something about it. And so partner with the ones that are, and uh, that is our part that we could do. Jeff, thank you for all of your work. You've been at this a long time. You've been ringing the bell before people knew there was a reason for it to be rung. And uh, um, if if you weren't doing this, I wouldn't even know where to start. Who do you call? You know, we call 911. You know, hey, there's somebody trying to kill us. Like, we got somebody that's doing it. Thank you. This couldn't have been an easy path for you. I know there had to have been great resistance in a world of lawfare and everything that comes against people that are trying to push back against the machine. I know that it's hard. And uh, I guarantee for me and my family, we're incredibly thankful. Thank you, David. And, you know, I think when people step up and follow the voice that they came here to follow and they really own that, it's at a place that's fearless. And sure, Monsanto spent millions of dollars trying to silence me or discredit me. And I considered, oh, it's just the game that they're playing. I don't have to pay attention because we're winning. And I, I, I think that it's a matter of personal empowerment, listening to our own voice and saying yes to that, which is like an advanced technique for personal evolution and life transformation. 
Well, thank you so much. And thank you, Flyover family. I am loving this journey with you. I love when we get to talk to you at live events. I love that you guys are enjoying these shows. You're challenged. Even some of you that come up and you're like, you were wrong about this. You know, it's it's just great to have these conversations and uh, kind of learn from each other. So everything in today's show is available to you if you send us a text, 40509. The letters CC for Conspiracy Conversation, 40509, the letters CC uh, for Conspiracy Conversation. And it will send you a Dropbox link with everything that you need right in there to get the slides, information, links, the films. Uh, we're in a war and uh, th- we can win it, but we got we to gotta win this, this information war with better information. This will help you do that. Next thing I want to mention is if you identify as a patriot, which I do, this, this ticker says I identify as a patriot. It was sent to me by Patriot Mobile, switching over our phone line from deep state companies to Patriot Company was one of the easiest things I ever did. Every one of their representatives are here in the United States, um, easy to speak with. They walk you through the process. They'll buy out your existing contract using the same towers. Matter of fact, here's a little thing I didn't know beforehand. They can actually change you from certain towers, certain networks to others. So you're not stuck with one. If you're, if you're in an area and you don't get good service in certain spots, they can, they can, they can move you from a Verizon uh, area to an AT&T and certain towers that they have access to all of them, not just one company. So it's actually better service than you have right now, except for when you get your monthly phone bill, you can feel good about it, that you're not helping to fund uh, causes that you're not in favor of. Um, last thing I want to mention, because he's just one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life, is Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott, flyovergold.com. This is what it looks like when you get actual bullion silver. And I, I, I encourage you, don't get, uh, you know, stories, shipwrecked things, you know, look at the spot price for silver. Make sure you're getting it as close to the spot price as possible. How many ounces? Because when you go to sell silver to get back out of it, to go into something else in the future, once it's gone through the roof, you, they're going to want to know how many ounces do you have? And is it certified? Is it an official thing? These guys help you do it. Flyovergold.com, flyovergold.com. Kirk Elliott has not one, but two PhDs, one in theology, but another one in central banks, finance, and uh, how inflation impacts those areas. There's never been a better time to have an expertise in that than right now. Um, Just honestly, every single person that works with them, some of the best people you ever want to talk to, you go to flyovergold.com, enter your information, and they'll set up a phone call with you just to educate you on the process. Can you change over an IRA? Does it have to be cash? What do you got to do? You hear people talk about this a lot, but what's what's involved? One little, little tip out there, make sure you don't buy gold or silver from somebody that charges you a commission when you sell it. If you're buying it at $22, $23, and it goes to $80, you don't want to pay a commission on all of that increase, okay? Have it done clean, and then when you get out of it, all that profit is yours. So that's just one little tip. Don't buy stories, and don't pay commissions on the back end. We appreciate you uh, being a part of this show. Thanks for sharing this episode. Subscribe. Come back to us again next Saturday for another Conspiracy Conversation. The Flyover team is so thankful that you've joined us on this journey and we'll see you again next Saturday for another conspiracy conversation. Peace out guys. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the flyover conservatives podcast with David and Stacy Whited. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell and leave us a comment below. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast, share with those who came to mind, be blessed and make it a great day. 